Welcome market participants to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week we bring you three things impacting credit markets we think you should know about. We've been talking and writing for some time now about the new paradigm merging in credit, where normalizing cost of capital is fundamentally challenging the asset class. So naturally we warmed to this bit we came across this week from Oak Tree. I quote, we believe we may be in the first act of what could be a long drama unfolding across markets as companies face the prospect of higher for longer borrowing costs and investors adjust to a new environment in which rigorous credit analysis, not inexpensive debt, will likely be the key to generating superior returns. Imagine that. This week, our three things are, one, a troublesome path. We'll walk you through a scenario that challenges Goldilocks. Two, a case for cuts. Careful what you wish for, but if all goes to plan, it's part of the back half of 2024. And three, don't lose sight of the sluice. It works with a lag, which means it's becoming meaningful. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. A path to trouble. The mark of a good analyst is to call the turn, see around corners. Calling the turn in this cycle has been challenging to say the least. Excess savings left over from pandemic stimulus, positive wealth effect from rising equity prices, and plenty of consumer borrowing capacity from both banks and shadow banks this year have kept economic growth in the U.S. surprisingly strong. The Fed, in its most recent summary of economic projections, is hardly calling a turn. Sure, expected growth next year dips below trend to 1.5%, but unemployment remains low and inflation continues to come down. All the while, the policy rate remains above 5%. Many have referred to the SEP as a Goldilocks forecast. So maybe it should come as no surprise that consensus earnings growth for the S&P 500 in 2024 is forecast to grow 12%. So why borrow trouble? The problem, as we discussed last week, these pieces don't fit together. Here are some alternative facts. Oh, sorry to use that reference. Let's start with corporate margins. They're normalizing as operating leverage turns modestly negative. Costs are increasing due to higher labor costs, higher energy costs, higher costs related to ESG. Meanwhile, revenues figure to sag a bit as the long and variable lagged effects bite and the economy cools. And all of this figures to lean on that 12% earnings growth estimate, which in turn figures to pressure stocks. We could very well be seeing that now. Corporate managers in response will adjust what they can control, and that's labor. That means layoffs and less pressure to pay up to retain workers. This, by the way, is exactly what the Fed would love to see, slack in the labor market. That is needed, the thinking goes, in order to reduce wage pressure, lean on consumer confidence, and ultimately consumer spending. That's how you get inflation back to target. These pieces fit together better than the Fed's. Now, it goes without saying that this scenario will pressure risk assets a bit more than Goldilocks. Stay tuned. All right, on to our second thing, the prospect of higher rates. As we talked last week, the key takeaway from the most recent Fed meeting in Presser was the chair making the case for higher rates for longer. In doing so, the event served as a reminder that the Fed's message here is not what risk markets want to hear. Sure, we'd like to believe that the Fed will thread the needle and tame inflation while preserving growth and employment. The challenge in getting there, we would remind you, is threefold. One, 
monetary policy is the bluntest of blunt instruments. Two, monetary policy only gets at half of the problem, demand. And three, the FOMC's incentive is to overshoot. The last point reflects the committee's strong inclination to repair its collective credibility and professional reputation after the transitory misread, and acknowledging that the FOMC is in the unfortunate position of being seen as responsible for 100% of the inflation problem, even though it can only get directly at half of that problem. So that implies the FOMC should have no trouble getting too restrictive. Quite possibly, we're already there. We've seen what has happened to the housing market. We can surmise what is happening to small caps and highly leveraged companies, both of which are significantly exposed to rising rates. Research out of Goldman Sachs estimates that 30% of the Russell 2000 debt is floating rate compared to just 6% for the S&P 500. And Oak Tree Research estimates that two-thirds of the leveraged loan market is unhedged on interest rates. Now throw into the mix, shock-level tightening of lending standards on the part of the banks, the rundown of stimulus-driven excess savings, and the restart of student loan repayment. And let's not lose sight of the forces, automation, and other technological developments that made deflation, not inflation, the risk du jour prior to the pandemic. Those forces haven't gone away. In fact, there's plenty of evidence that they have become more pronounced as a result of the pandemic. Take all of this into consideration, and you can make a pretty good case that you'll get economic slowing and growing slack in the labor market. And that sets up for rate cuts in the back half of 2024. All right, on to our third thing. Don't lose sight of the sleuths. Ah, yes, the Fed's Senior Loan Officer Opinion Survey, the thing that had its 15 minutes of fame back at the end of July when the investing world waited with bated breath for an updated view into how banks thought about making loans in the wake of the March events, the failures of three good-sized banks in the U.S., for context, recall that the survey takes the credit impulse of up to 80 large domestic banks and 24 U.S. branches of foreign banks as it pertains to loan underwriting risk appetite to small, mid-sized, and large firms, as well as consumers. Not surprisingly, the results of the most recent sluice showed a continuation of significant tightening of those underwriting standards across the full array of borrowers. We observed at the time that the degree of tightening, which started back in the summer of 2022, is of a magnitude usually seen in shock environments. Think the outbreak of COVID, the GFC, the tech rec recession back in 2001 and 2. The next survey is scheduled for October, with results released around the first week of November. We bring it up because, as you might expect, there is a lagged effect on growth when banks tighten, typically two to three quarters. We see fairly tight correlations between sluice tightening and bank loan growth, CapEx, and the ISM Manufacturing Survey, which of course correlates closely with risk asset valuations. And in credit, we tend to see tightening loan underwriting lead defaults by three quarters. Now, given that banks really began to tighten underwriting standards in that back half of 2022, we're seeing the usual relationships play out, with one exception, economic growth. That obviously has remained surprisingly strong in 2023 due to the extraordinary benefit of pandemic-driven excess savings, which has kept the consumer spending. But all good things must come to an end, I'm told. And I think we're moving in that direction, at least as far as consumer spending is concerned, 
as those excess savings diminish. Now, we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge the impact of private credit, both consumer and commercial, in picking up some borrowers that the banks are shunning. And we believe private credit is working to keep defaults relatively low and growth relatively buoyant in this return to normal, as it acts as a more effective shock absorber compared to the large banks. But there's a limit to the private credit's ability to stave off the inevitable. Expect growth to slow as we move through 2024. The sluice tells us so. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, a troublesome path. Expect slack to develop in the labor market as companies respond to margin pressure. Two, a case for cuts. Higher rates leaves a mark on economic growth. That is not being factored into the Goldilocks scenario. And three, don't lose sight of the sluice. Tightening hits with a lag, which means it's becoming meaningful. As always, thanks for joining. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our ratings reports and latest research. We'll see you next week. Hello, listeners. Join me, Van Hesser, KBRA's chief strategist for in-depth conversations with credit experts in my new monthly podcast, Leading Voices in Credit, where I'll interview market professionals on the latest trends in credit markets. That's Leading Voices in Credit with Van Hesser. Subscribe now.